0: Uh, for those of you who don't know me or my wife, um, I, I, I should, I, never mind, I'm not going to give a long introduction. Laura and I have been here six and a half years as youth pastors, um, seeing some of them go from before high school to post high school. Um, I'm not sure if, you, if anybody notices, but I'm kind of, I've been reminiscing this week because they're going to youth camp this next week. And uh, some of the ones that are going to youth camp, when Laura and I came here, were like nine years old. I think some of them were eight. Sebastian, how old are you? That means when we got here, he was seven. Six. Oh my gosh. Anyways, I know we're not parents, but um, we, we tell people all the time, your kids tell us stuff they're not going to tell you, fair? So it's, it's loads of fun. So uh, they're going to youth camp this week and it's really fun. So welcome to our youth service is what I, I want to say, but um, we're going to have a fun day today. For those of you who have been with us, you know what we're in the middle of. For those of you who this might be your first time, welcome to Christian Life Fellowship. Um, this is not your stereotypical church. Can I hear it, thank God? This is, a place, this is a place where Laura and I came to six and a half years ago and I told Pastor Mark, I said, um, he, talked to, he talked to me about coming and being a youth pastor and I said, let me be honest with you, I'm not interested in being a youth pastor at a normal church. He said, good, CLF's anything but a normal church, right? And uh, we've loved every step of the journey. I told him I, I told him after like three months, I said, dude, I love it here. And he, he made a statement that he would go on to say for like two years, and I'm so glad he doesn't say it anymore. He would always say, I hope you always feel that way. So I want to start this by telling you that. If you're newer to CLF in the last six months, I hope that you find it home, and I hope you always feel that way. But, but guess what? I, 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 I've been diving into this so much this week. I've been dreaming. I've been thinking about it. Here's what I want to start off with. What you get out of CLF depends on how much you put into your own Christian walk. This is not a place where um, I feel like we're creating a lazy Christianity in the world today, and I'm going to be global, um, because we expect someone else to live our spiritual life for us and to give us food, to give us our nourishment spiritually. This is a place for you to dive into to find a place to belong. Begin belong become, right? So when we dive into the story, um, we've been going through the greatest story ever told. And the reason I wanted to start with that is because this is kind of a good midway point. And I say midway, not really. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. So it's not really halfway, but we're kind of in the split between the Old and New Testament. So I kind of want to use this as a good, um, does anybody remember midterms in high school or college? Midterms, the point of them was supposed to be looking back to see what we learned, right? Right. It wasn't necessarily looking forward. So for a second, I want to look back and kind of figure it out. Have you at any point in, in, your, in our journey so far through the story, um, raise your hand if you're more familiar with Bible stories that you didn't know as much about previously? Anybody know that you're learning about some Bible stories, things like that? Fantastic. That's great. Um, have you learned anything to apply to your own personal life? That's vital. Okay, and, and my next slide here, I want to kind of start with this since we're kind of going back and looking a little bit. We're going to talk about sacrifice in action this morning, because many of us know the story of Jesus' birth. That's kind of what chapter 22 is about, if you're following along with us. But Jesus is supposed to be an example for us to follow. Now, not a lot of us that I know of can go to heaven and come back as a baby, like go to heaven as God and come back as a baby, so we can't follow the exact pattern. But would you agree that the term Christian, which is supposed to be like Christ, little Christ, or Christ's followers... We're supposed to be using Jesus as an example for our lives, correct? His example is supposed to be our example. So the first slide that I want to show you here, I want us to understand that as we go through the story, there's two types of ways, Uh, the next slide, there's two different ways we could view the story, and neither of them are good or bad, they're just different. And I want us to understand that um, you should experience them both. As we go through the story. So first of all, it's kind of for entertainment. Reading a new story, kind of in awe, going, wow, that's a really cool. Um, one of my favorite Bible stories of the Old Testament was JL. It, it, it's, that, it's, that, it's that lady who the enemy captain came in and she killed him by the tent peg through the, through the temple. I, I don't really know why that stands out to me. It does. So like those kind of stories, I go, cool. Now, is that a good example for me to do at work tomorrow? Probably not. I probably shouldn't walk in with a tent peg to my boss, right? That's not the best example, but here's the deal. There's two different ways to explore the story. First of all, it was, that was cool. It's for entertainment purposes. And and I say entertainment in a broad sense. I don't mean sitting down to watch a movie. I went just to read for a story, right? Because the story is a story. But the second way we're supposed to be going through this study is for transformation. It's for us to be looking at the story to find the principles. Now, the Bible, we, we, we started with this principle. The Bible is the unashamed word of God. It's his love letter to us. It's his way to teach us about who he is. So if that's the case, the best way to transform our lives to become more like Christ is to dig into the word of God. That's way logical, but we, we got to start there, right? So we're going back and we're going to go, all right, for transformation purposes, so here's what I want to do. Um, every Christmas, Pastor Mark put on, Facebook that it's going to be Christmas in July. In a sense, yes, it is, because we're going to be talking about the birth of Christ. Um, I don't know if anyone else does this, and this is more for the entertainment part, but every year for Christmas, my family, we take the one, the youngest cousin or niece or nephew who can read and have them read the Christmas story. I'm not sure if anybody else does that or not, but it's a fun tradition to have, and we've been doing it since I don't even remember. It's been a long time, and I'm sure Joshua's going to be doing it before long. Um, But that we don't really read that for transformation, usually around Christmas. We don't read that story on Christmas Eve before we open presents. Usually, especially if the cousin, their nephew's a little older, we're like, hurry it up. We, we got to eat, right? Like, we're re- like we, we know the story of Jesus' birth. Like, if I were to start with a couple things, we would just kind of be able to rattle them off. But this morning, I want to specifically look at the story of the birth of Jesus for transformational purposes. Is that cool? All right, so we're not going to be going through here. We're not going to be reading through every moment of Jesus' birth. I'm hoping you read the story. Is it good that I assume that you read the story ahead of time? It says Pastor Mark focuses all the time on his posts and everything else. He's been putting that out. Christian Life Fellowship page, if you're not following us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook. You'll kind of see where we're going ahead of time. You see the video. Do we have the video ready? I, I forgot to ask. We do? Sweet. Let's go and watch the video, and then I'm going to dive into this for trends. In fact, before we get started, if you're taking notes, I want you to write on the top of your page for Transformation. For transformation, because the notes we're going to talk, talk about this morning are going to be to turn wonder I've, I've had a new appreciation for. And, and, and first, I'm going to go into two things before we get started to kind of give you a little basis of where we're going. First, the next slide says this. What is the word sacrifice mean? The word sacrifice, according to the dictionary, is an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as important or worthy. So it's literally giving up something that is good, For something that is valued or that we consider great. I've also heard it said the sacrifice is the production of sacred things. When you sacrifice, sacred things are created. And the next slide is a simple one-verse text that's going to give us how this matters in our transformation. It's very simple. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and it goes into describing more of how this mind should be in you. But simple. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that's a Bible verse that if we were to take just that, we say, well, it's out of context. Would you agree that it's a principle of scripture? We need to think like Jesus. We need to think like Jesus. We need to act like Jesus. That verse is the, okay, so here's the point. Have you ever stopped to wonder, just in wonder of what Jesus gave up to come to earth? What he gave up. We have no way to imagine what he gave up, but I just want us to stop and think about it for a second. Jesus was adored by angels. He was one with the Father. He was in an atmosphere of perfection in heaven. Yet there was one thing missing. Darlene. The one thing that was missing was a way of redemption that sinful man Now, there was the law, there were sacrifices, but there was was something more valuable than sinning in perfection. And I never want to take it and simplify it too much. I never want to say Jesus is like us, but I just want you to picture for a second. If Jesus was like one of us, everything in his life would have been perfect. Yet there was something he valued more, and he was willing to sacrifice all the good because of the thing he valued more. I I want that to hit us a little bit this morning. I want us to think about what he, there was a drama I wrote a long time ago called What He Gave Up. And it was the idea of Jesus coming to earth and the incarnation is what we call it, the God coming as man to earth, that he didn't have to. Let's stop and think about this. Jesus did this voluntarily, okay? Jesus came to earth for us, for redemption, He valued a relationship with us more than the wonders and the perfection of glory and Godhood. He valued you. He valued us. He valued a relationship with us for the long term. The incarnation of Jesus serves as an example to us of godly sacrifice. And a couple of the things I'm going to be talking about this morning, you're going to say, Chris, that's kind of consistent with some of the stuff you talked about recently. To be perfectly honest, I think biblical, would you, would you agree sometimes it's better to be reminded than taught? Sometimes we need to be reminded of something. We were talking about this morning with some of the MSP leadership. Sometimes we need to be reminded of things like the story of Jesus that no longer fill us with awe and wonder. I think sometimes we walk in the doors of Sunday out of necessity or um, because we should rather than out of awe and wonder at a God that gave up everything. That sacrificed everything. And I want to show us this morning how his example should be followed by us. What are some principles we can take away from the sacrifice of Jesus, of leaving everything and coming to earth that we can take? First of all is this. Sacrifice begins with frustration at a current circumstance. That's how it begins, okay? A lot of us, we have this... Um, uh, idea in culture today that frustration's bad and I should do anything I can, just I shouldn't be frustrated. I should never be frustrated. And if I'm frustrated, there's something wrong. There's a portion of that that's correct. Frustration means that something is out of whack and needs to be fixed. Okay, so the first step of of sacrifice is understanding that something's wrong. Okay, if everything was perfect in life, there would be no reason to sacrifice because all of our values are covered, right? Everything in our life is fine. Everything in our life is perfect. Anybody in here like that? I would assume not. So at this point, odds are, would you raise your hand if you're facing a frustration somewhere in your life? And I would hope that would be every hand. So here's the point. Jesus sitting in heaven, I want you to see this, was frustrated. There was a current circumstance That was not the way it was supposed to be. How did God create humankind? Perfect, right? He created without sin. God did not create sin. We invited sin into perfection and ruined perfection. So I want you to see that the beginning of Jesus' sacrifice begins with frustration. And again, I want you to get it out of your mind, the idea of frustration is angry or whatever it is that that we come in with a preconceived idea. Frustration is simply when a situation needs fixing. I think one of the issues of America today is that a lot of times we're not frustrated enough to do anything about it. I'm frustrated, then you'll change. When you're frustrated enough, something's gotta give. So I want you to see that Jesus' sacrifice began with frustration at the current circumstance, that you and I would not spend eternity with him the way that he wanted it to happen. Romans 5, 8 said, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. There was a gap. There was a song, I'm going to date myself a little bit. There was an old song by an old group called Point of Grace. Anybody remember Point of Grace? Again, not old, but it's back in the day. They had a song called The Great Divide. And the idea of it was Jesus came to bridge the great divide. There was a divide between us and our sinful selves and where God wanted us to be. There was a frustration there, and the cross bridged it. It created a gap, it created a bridge that you and I could cross that, but it began with Jesus going, there's a gap. There's a frustration. Something in current circumstances needs to change. Going to the next slide, Darian. I, I want you to hear this phrase. You cannot change that which you can tolerate. This is perfect for recovery. This is perfect for the church person who's lived 30 years in church. You cannot change what you can tolerate. If something in your life, and this is where I want us to follow Jesus' example, Jesus could not tolerate eternity without Aiden. He couldn't tolerate it. It was something he would not live with. He at least wanted to give Aiden a choice. Would Aiden choose? His call. But there was no way to bridge that great divide. Aiden had no way to cross that great divide. Until that moment. Does that make sense? So you cannot change what you can tolerate. Jesus looked at at the situation and said, I'll go. I will not tolerate eternity without Micah. That's something I cannot tolerate. Here's my question of you. Is there something in your life that you're tolerating, but you're wanting it to change? It cannot change if you continue to tolerate it. Let's follow the example of Jesus when it comes to if we're going to change something in our lives, whether it be a relationship, whether it be finances, whether it be your spiritual growth, whatever it is, are you tolerating less than could be if you were to change something in your life? That's the example of Christ that we can follow, and I want us to see that. It begins with frustration. I, I, I was this close to going up and getting my soapbox from upstairs because there's so many of my soapbox messages through here, and here's one of them. You want to know a phrase that I hear from way too many people way too much of the time? Is this phrase, the problem is. Well, the problem is. Well, the problem is. And then you offer a solution. Well, the problem is. Well, the problem is. Well, the problem is. We've become so problem-focused, we're not solution-focused. What if Jesus had done that? What if Jesus had gone, well, the problem is it would take death? There's no way I'm going to die. There's no way I'm going to sacrifice anything. I mean, have you seen those people? Have you seen how rough they are around the edges? What if Jesus had our attitude? It's kind of funny that we want everybody to be like us, but who are we trying to be like? Are we trying to be like Jesus who saw something that he could not tolerate and then chose to sacrifice for that thing because he valued it? You can't change what you tolerate. Is there something in your life that needs changing? Every time that you look at a situation, is your answer, well, the problem is, well, the problem is, I would challenge you to check yourself on that. Don't uh, watch, don't listen to other people. Well, they said it a lot. I don't care how they said it. Look in the mirror, how often do you say it? Are you problem-focused or are you solution-focused? Are you willing to sacrifice anything for your life to change? Jesus was willing to sacrifice everything to come here. And he's the example we're supposed to follow. Not somebody at your job, not your boss, not even somebody that you emulate in church. He's your example. That's why I wanted to go through this. This is for transformation. If you want to change something, it takes two things. It takes frustration and it takes courage. A lot of people have frustration, but they have no courage. I'm frustrated at this. And that's why we talk about the problems We get together in groups and talk about problems, and then nobody has any courage to change anything. There's a meme, I forget if you put it up or if somebody else puts it up, and it's kind of going everywhere on Facebook right now. Uh, It's a pastor speaking to a congregation, I'll ask you the same question. How many of you think that the world needs to change? And everybody raises their hand. What does the next picture say? How many of you are willing to change? And all the hands go down. We all agree something needs to change, but God God forbid it starts with us. Jesus said, my frustration, I'll take care of that. I'll change something in the current reality because I can't tolerate eternity without Scotty. That's Jesus' example. That's what he did. That's the whole story of the birth of Jesus. Notice we haven't even made it to the cross. We're going to get to the cross later on, but I want you to realize the birth of Jesus is an example of sacrifice in action. Jesus couldn't tolerate eternity without us. Are you satisfied or comfortable with your current circumstances? If you're frustrated, you're in good company. Jesus was too. Jesus was frustrated. Uh, that verse, Jesus couldn't tolerate eternity without us, It's when he's talking to the Father and he said, I want them to see your glory. I want them to, I want them to be with me. And I, I'm not quoting the verses up here because I want you to bring your Bible. I want you to make notes and go home and study them. Jesus is praying to the Father. I want them to see you. I want them to know you. I want them to be with me. That's what he wanted. I'm scared so many of us in American culture today tell God what we want. How many of you were here when Seeger Bear and, and Kalen did their, did their skit on, I want a bike? Why was that so good? Because it's so true. I want a bike. Well, that's not what prayer is for. Well, yeah, but if I, if I pray like Jesus prayed, he's not going to give me a bike. Like, we, we want things in our current reality But how often are we willing to change something? That's point number two. Point number two. Here's another one of those. Chris, didn't you just preach this? Nope. I preach the principle, but I want you to hear me say this when it comes to the birth of Jesus. We are called to sacrifice our comforts for the purpose of our calling. Philippians chapter two, verses seven and eight says this. Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance of a man. Notice all these things. None of this has to do with who he is in heaven. This is talking about what he did to come here for his purpose. So first of all, he was frustrated at current circumstance. My people are not being able to spend eternity with me. Aiden has no way to bridge the great divide. So I'm going to do something about it. He took on the form. Coming in the likeness of men, we ca- no, we can never truly appreciate how incredible that is, but I challenge you we need to consider it and think about it from time to time. Just think about how big of a deal it was. that Now, I, I already can't get past, and I love when Pastor Mark is just overwhelmed up here sometimes, I, I already can't get over the fact that the, that the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with me. But the fact of what he sacrificed for me that should never stop, that should never cease all inside of us. And again, sometimes I think we know it, we appreciate it when we get saved, and the more that we keep hearing messages, I think sometimes we forget how big this truly was. Like, why do you think that our timeline is currently totally based on the birth and the death of Christ? This changed all of human history when the God of the universe sacrificed everything he had, all of his comforts, Everything that was good for what he considered and valued to be greater. It changed the course of humankind, and yet so many of us would come in here and sing it like it's a pop song on the radio. That this has to be something to awaken something inside of us an appreciation. When's the last time that you shed a tear or that you got emotional over what he sacrificed for you? I gotta be honest, sometimes I'll go a long time, and I'm not standing up here saying I got this straight. But what I challenge you is let this morning be a reminder of what he sacrificed for you. What one of us sacrifices is nothing. I prepared getting a sermon together this morning. That's nothing compared to what he sacrificed. So, Chris, how does that matter to me? First of all, you better appreciate it. Second of all, you should live like it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We are called to sacrifice our comforts for the purpose of our calling. Comfort's not all bad, okay? I know sometimes I rail on this. Comfort's not all bad. Unless we are giving up our purposes to seek comfort. This next slide has got two phrases on here that I absolutely adore. First of all, it says this. Our privileges are not for our pleasures. They're for our purpose. The fact that you were born in 21st century America is not so you could live a fantastically fun life. Now, I came that you may have life and live it more abundantly. Got it. But the point of it is your privileges are for a purpose and a calling higher than yourself. But so many of us take all of our privileges and consume them on ourselves. Uh, um, Who was it? It was a gentleman when we did the We Care um, uh, conference for families i loved what he said because he said i'll 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 show you where you show the most purpose give me your checkbook for the last 30 days where do you see your purpose how much of your time your treasure and your talents are spent on giving to other people are spent on sacrificing your comforts for someone else chris would rather not talk about this i totally understand because culture's example is to not sacrifice anything. And we talked about the comfort is America's drug today. But you wanna know what's fun? It's culturally acceptable, so people will actually defend their comforts if you ever talk to them about this. It's funny, because when Laura and I talk to finances about people, they'll defend their debt, or they'll defend their, um, I have students that I'll talk to about school, they'll defend ignorance. Well, there's no reason for me to study as much. It's funny that we in a culture have begun to defend our comforts more than our duty or any kind of morality. I was reading a book on, George, on the founding fathers this week talking about how much they sacrificed. There's a part of me that doesn't think outside of someone who's in the military if we truly understand what was sacrificed that we can do this. None of them had to do what they did yet they did. I would challenge that was a really cool example of Christ. Someone who will sacrifice everything for someone else's freedom. Because that's what Jesus did. And this second statement, purpose, involves, and I love these three things, involves sacrifice for a greater good, contribution for making a bigger difference, and energy directed at a long-term vision. Here's my challenge to you. The Bible says that a good man takes care of, his children, of the generations before him and after him. When's the last time that you did something for the next generation that you'll never live to see the results? So I think way too many of us, we're, we're willing to sacrifice as long as we get to see the results. Can I share with you being in ministry for a long time, I figured out sometimes I'm never going to see the results. Never going to see the results. If you've spent any time in ministry at all, sometimes you're going to figure, and, and I, don't, I don't just mean ministry, I mean anything. If you've been a teacher, would you agree sometimes as a teacher, you're not going to get to see the results, right, Chrissy? You're not going to see the results of the hard work that you put in all the time. But I've got a feeling in America, we've wanted our comfort so much where we're not willing to sacrifice unless we see the results. And then, then sometimes we turn it around and get frustrated to God because we're not seeing the results of the little bit that we've had to sacrifice. God, it's Sunday morning. Why do I have to wake up? I pray that he reminds you of his sacrifice every time we complain about the little sacrifices that we have to make today. It worries me. It it really worries me with these next generations coming up, starting with mine and going down, with how addicted we are to our comforts little things, man, little, such little things that we whine and complain if everything's not perfect. And then I think about the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Garden of Gethsemane. What did Jesus say? Well, we're going to get there in a minute. I'm scared to death I could get emotional talking about these things because my calling, Chris Kraft, is to influence and impact the next generations. Yet I told our teenagers last week, I said, how many hours are in a week? 168 hours in a week. How many hours do Chris and Laura get to speak into your life? Two hours out of 168, there's a lot of other people speaking into your life. I sure hope you're not relying on Sunday morning to feed your spiritual life when you've got 166 hours of the world feeding into you. I'm scared that we don't value anything above our comforts. I'm scared that sleeping in is a value above something else that matters. I'm scared that being really good at a video game matters more than saving someone else's life. I'm scared that Netflix binging has become an addiction and a comfort that matters more than something else. Go to your next slide if you would, Darian. It comes down to what we value more. Just mathematical formula. When you value A more than B, you're not going va- to sacrifice A to get B because you value A more. Yet if B is your value, then you'll sacrifice heaven and earth to get it. Does that make sense? So why do we not sacrifice our comforts like Jesus did? I believe that we don't value the things he values as much as he does. He sacrificed everything for us because he valued eternity with us i was on a video conference with a mentor of mine last week and he's pouring out his heart about investing in this new group that's starting to rise up that goes to abortion clinics and they don't protest and hold up signs when when people come in they just get in conversations to give alternatives hey have you ever thought about this have you ever thought about this just conversations And this group is doing this, and he's getting super excited. He's like, 59 children in 2018 are now living because of this small little group. But wait a minute. You know what that takes? I want you to hear me on this. That takes somebody valuing that cause enough. I'm going to get ridiculously intense here for a second. It takes somebody that values that cause to sacrifice their Saturday mornings to go to those places to have the conversation. There's this fantastic little poem that I've seen that's great and I don't know it off the top of my head, but it said, everybody expected somebody to do something, but nobody did. Is there anything that you value enough? Is there a cause that strikes your heart deep enough that you're willing to sacrifice some of your time or your treasure to accomplish? And what scares me to death is I think the answer is no for the average 21st century American. It scares me to death because when I see the example of Jesus, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that he gave up everything for a cause that he valued enough. Yet if it takes us two hours of our time to volunteer for something, it's too much. This isn't normal Christmas in July, I know because I'm tired of Christmas and July sermons. I want us to think like Christ. Yet instead, we think like culture. We think like people at work. We think like our parents. We think like our kids. We think like everybody else, but the one we're supposed to think like. He sacrificed everything for something he valued. So here's my question of you, and don't look at anybody else because I don't care what they value, what do you value? When's the last time you cried for something that has nothing to do with you? And please, I don't, want to, I don't want this to come across as harsh. I want it to come across as challenging. Value something that will cost you something because that's where satisfaction and fulfillment comes from. That's the example we're given in Scripture time and time again. Give me one person in Scripture, I told you. Give me one person in Scripture who made a difference but didn't sacrifice something. My favorite quote probably of all of history outside of Dale Moody, I love Benjamin Franklin's where he said, if you would not be forgotten, as soon as you were dead and rotten, either write things worth the reading or do things worth the writing. If you don't wanna be forgotten as soon as you breathe your last breath, leave a legacy, sacrifice something of your life. Are you, the average American watches four hours of television a day, which comes down to nine years of television by the time they're 70 years old. How many of you, when your parents were 70 years old, how much would you give for nine years of their life back? Yet that's what we spend on comforts as the average, and I'm not, please, I don't care about TV. Couldn't couldn't care less. Keep your TV. I'm saying, are you sacrificing anything? Am I sacrificing anything for a cause greater than myself? I got to be honest. One of the people I look to for this, even though he doesn't like me talking about it, is Mark Davis. He refuses for me to talk about it. I'm going to talk about him anyways. Is Cindy Cindy Hildebrand. These two people, and when I say, by the way, when I say Mark, I mean Mark and Lorna Davis. Because you want to know who gives up more than the pastor's? The pastor's wife. I've experienced it in my own home. The people, here's what I'll challenge. The people you respect the most in your life is people who sacrifice for you. Agree? Then why do we think that we're going to make a difference without sacrificing for anybody else? What are we willing to sacrifice? It's I, Sorry, I got to talk about you anyways. I use my mom in all my sermons because she's one of my heroes. She is struggling with CLL, form of cancer, lost sight in her left eye, yet is traveling around the country, traveling around Alabama, and is passionately chasing, creating a widow's ministry for the local church. Why? Because she values something enough to sacrifice for it. So my challenge is not to figure out what you're gonna sacrifice, okay? Let's totally shift the value. Because a lot of people, when I say sacrifice your comforts, you're more worried about your comforts. Stop thinking about what you're sacrificing. I want you to get enough I want you to find something of value enough to where you don't even think about what you're sacrificing. Have you ever, who's played football in here? Anybody played football? No. Okay. Let's do it this way. Anybody played sports, sports in general, when you were in the middle of practice, were you usually more focused on practice or more focused on what you were missing? Cause you were in practice. You're usually pretty focused on practice, right? Like, cause I'm passionately involved in this thing. Here's my challenge. Find something of value that you're willing to pour your heart into, you won't even care what you got to sacrifice to get it. Jesus valued you so much, he valued Mark Meadows enough, he said, I don't care what I've got to sacrifice, he's with me. But what if he would have turned around and gone, yeah, but look at what I'm well, look at what I'm giving up. When I talk about sacrificing comforts for value, so many of us don't think of the thing of value. We're thinking of what we're having to sacrifice. Quit it. Think What grabs your heart? What can make you cry? You know what can make me cry? Is Aiden growing up and not realizing how awesome he is. I want to help young people realize what they're capable of. The reason that I come in here and teach MSP, that Laura and I come in and teach MSP leadership in the morning is because they don't realize what they're capable of. So that's something I could cry about is helping them reach their full potential. What's something you're willing to value highly? I don't care what it is, but care. Care like Christ did. Enough beating the dead horse. Number three, action is a requirement for Christ followers. Jesus was not an idea guy. Jesus was a man of action. He was a man of action. Mark 8, 34, Jesus said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus never said, let him have good intentions and he's good. In America today, we think that if our intentions are good, we're fine. Our intentions are good. I'm, I, I meant I'm, I'm right. They understood what I meant. I don't see, okay, and again, you want to follow culture, feel free to follow culture. When I see Christ, he was a man of action. We live in a culture where we feel that feeling must come before we take action. True? Well, well, why weren't you in church? I didn't feel like it. Why'd you miss school? Because I didn't feel like it. Again, going back to anybody who's ever accomplished anything ever, and they fought through the feeling to do what mattered because they valued it. Are we seeing the theme? Who cares about the current circumstance if I value the thing enough? Jesus was a man of action. Jesus shows that we must take action based on our values, not on our emotions. That's where the Garden of Gethsemane comes up. What does Jesus say? If there's any way that you can take this away from me, please do. Would you agree that in that moment, his comfort would have been to not go to the cross? There There was a skit that I wrote for Brian one time. It was about Michael the archangel, and it was Michael's view of Jesus on the cross. Can you imagine the angels just beating at the floors of heaven going, call us. We will take you off that thing. You don't have to do this. They're watching the God of the universe die on a cross and they're going, why are you doing this? Because his values force him to take action even though he didn't feel it. I would challenge that a lot of times we don't sacrifice and we don't take action because our feelings are more important than the thing we value. Jesus lived by principles, not emotion. He he was a man of emotion, but when it came down to it, he was a man of action. Here's a disclaimer, action in the right direction. If you're going the wrong direction, speeding up will not help. All right, so action in the right direction. What if Jesus thought that his good intentions were enough? Boy, I really love Stacy. I really love Chris. I really love Darian. I really love Jenny. Talk to husbands and wives for a second. I don't care how much you feel love towards your husband or wife. Because you got the ring, you show it to them. You show it to them in your words. You show it to them in your action. Because as men, as women, we're followed to live as Christ did. And he was a man of action. He was action-oriented. All right, let's go and finish this up. Whose example are you following? Next slide. Jesus, and I want you to see this little play on words. Jesus displayed sacrifice in action. Culture displays comfort and inaction. Jesus displayed sacrifice in action. Culture displays living for comforts and in action, not being in action but displaying inaction. So my simple question is when you look in the mirror, who do you look like? And I don't say that to beat yourself up. I'm saying it's time to change. It's time to change. If you see more of culture in you than you do Jesus, it's just time to change. Don't let that be a beat you up thing. Be a thank you, Lord, for showing me something that I can change to become more like you. This is kind of cool. The way that I see the story of Jesus was sacrifice was the incarnation plus action of the cross equals the results. A lack of results in your life is probably coming from either a lack of action or misappropriated values where you're not willing to sacrifice for them. So go on back to one more slide and then we'll go to those two. If you don't like the results, fix one of the first two. Fix one of the first two. Either you don't value something enough, so change your value system. Figure out something that stirs your heart that you were put on this earth to do. Now, I'm not talking about a career. It could be a career, but it could just be something that you're passionate about. Put some time into, put some treasure into, put some talent into and then take some action on it. So one of those two things, if you're not getting the results, and honestly, if you come to me about your results, I'm first going to ask you if you want to change. I talk about this a lot, but don't talk about your problems unless you're looking to change, because then you're just whining. Like, don't, don't, don't come to me, Chris, I got all these problems. You want to change? You want to change? I, I feel like Jesus says that sometimes. Like, do you want to change? Are you just coming to me whining again? <laughs> he, he's more loving than that. That's the Chris version. If you're coming because you don't like the results and you're frustrated, here's what I'd say. Good, it's time to change. Let's live like Jesus lived. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. A few last last comments here, I want you to see this. It's just a few lines that I like that I wanted to write up here. A lack of positive results in your life is likely, and just like we talked about, coming from a lack of principle-based, I see some people take pictures, so you might wanna, if you wanna take a picture of this. And here's the question. Are you needing to sacrifice something to fix the situation that you're in? And I love this statement. Either, we got two options. Either you give up the person you are to become the person you can be, or you keep the person you are and give up the person you could be. Every one of you in the room have massive potential inside of you, yet culture tells you to stay the person you are today and give up your potential. What? did Jesus do, not culture, what did Jesus do? Jesus said, I'm frustrated at the circumstance, so I will sacrifice something because I value you more than I value anything else. I hope that in my life, I can get to the point where I'm living that on a consistent basis. And I'm not preaching this this morning to beat us up at all. I want us to wake up to the realization that sometimes, would you agree, we can start sleepwalking through, cult, through life, right? We just live the day, live the day, live the day, live the day, all of a sudden, 16 Sundays have passed and nothing in our life has changed. So allow this to be a wake-up call that Jesus still calls us to be like him. And probably that means changing our value system and taking some different actions in our life. So Micah, come on up. We're gonna go and finish this up. Please understand this. We, we live in such an emotional-based culture that sometimes um, we can hear something that's being said, whether it be from stage or whether it be one-on-one, and we focus on the words that are said instead of the intent behind it. Is that fair? Like, we'll be in a conversation between friends, and all of a sudden, they're like, I wonder why he said that. I wonder what, that's why I don't like text-based communication a lot of times, because you can say the wrong word and miss the motive behind it. I hope you hear my motive this morning. So many of us raised our hands earlier and said we're frustrated with something in our current realities. And my basic question is, do we want it to change? Or do we want to struggle with the same thing in a month and the same things in six months and the same things in a year? And what it takes to change is sacrifice in action. If you value sobriety, then you're willing to sacrifice a comfort to receive it. If you value your kids, then you're willing to sacrifice time by yourself, maybe, to spend time with them. If you're you're frustrated at where your marriage is at, then you need to be willing to sacrifice yourself and to focus on the other person. Frustration should be in your life a little bit all the time. Because what does the old children's song say? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Right? He's not done with you yet. So allow frustration to be a good thing to wake you up, to wake me up, and to say, I need to change to be more like him. Because Christmas in July just says this. I don't care when we celebrate it. I celebrate the fact that the God of the universe loved Jake Tornator so much that he sacrificed everything good for that and it's a theme throughout scripture that he would have done it for one he would have done it for one and guess what he did one, 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 one. what's our calling go and do the same let's go find something that burns us up inside that an injustice that needs to be served Ignorance that needs to be fixed. Hurt that needs to be made well. And let's sacrifice something of ourselves to change the current circumstances so they can see Christ in us. Let's pray, let's pray. Lord Jesus, there is no way to use words to thank you for the sacrifice that you made. It's it's not even possible in our vocabulary to, to thank you enough. So the only thing that we can do to say thank you is to live life like you did. That's really the only way that we can sufficiently say thank you is to live life for others. And you said, if we do that, you'll take care of us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all this other stuff we worry about will be taken care of. Lord, I'm asking this morning that the things and the trappings of this world don't become a distraction to us as much as they do to everyone else that doesn't know you. We know you and we're close to you and we want your heart and we want your eyes. We want your life. So I ask you to give us the desires of your heart. but everything inside of us wants to love you with everything inside of us. And you're calling us to be an example to the world. What I hope that everyone heard this morning, Lord, from your heart, is that it's time for your people to rise up and be more like Christ than like everyone else that we're put here to help. Let your heart be in us. And if we don't have those passions, if we don't have those values, I'm simply asking that you provide the opportunities for us to see something that we need to change. That will stir our hearts, that will cause tears from our eyes. Because when you hurt for other people, we need to hurt for other people. And I'm asking you to reawaken a passion to change something in someone else's life.